What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps. We got UFC 277, which is Among Us this weekend. I cannot wait. This is going to be a battle of rematches. And I'm so, so, so excited. I'm so excited for this to really see who is the best out of these two matchups. Obviously, we got Juliana Pena, the new queen of the Bantamweight division. And she, we got Amanda Nunes. She's looking to reclaim her title. Can she do it? Nobody knows, but we will find out this weekend. She thinks she's going to win. Pena thinks she's going to win. She thinks she's got a number. She thinks she's got the style matchup to beat her and reclaim, and actually not reclaim, to hold that title. And then we got Brandon Moreno looking to best Kai Kata France again. I think best him again. I'm pretty sure he won the first time, but I'm not 100% sure. But I'm going to take a look at their record on topology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fresh off the TV show, boom, 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 Kai Kata France. He beat Kai Kata France back in 2019. Okay, this episode, guys, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. So thank you guys to our sponsors. Definitely go check those guys out and use my promo code FUNKMASTER whenever you sign up for new customers and get yourself some promos, some promo discounts. I like that. I like it a lot. All right, so this episode is... Going to be inspired by Ariel Hawani's podcast after listening to both TJ Dillaroids Dilla, and um, um, Sugar O'Malley Tits. Uh, after listening to those guys talk, I, you know, I got some things I got to get off my chest, you know. I'm going to be coming for both their asses soon, you know. I'm going to be coming for both their asses. And if you want to come for their ass too, you can go to aljamaystone.com and pick yourself up some merch and come for their asses as well. Now, TJ had a lot to say. Okay. I respect that TJ's finally giving me props and whatnot. And after the disrespect that him and obviously a lot of people in the MMA community kind of gave me after the first Jan outing. And I think he realizes that this is a tough fight. He thinks it's not going to be a dangerous fight. Meaning he thinks I'm going to just go out there. I'm just looking to grapple the whole time. I can assure you, TJ, that is not what I'm looking to do. 100% not. I can't wait to drill my knuckles through your face. Cannot wait. Whether that's standing, whether that's on the mat, either or, does not matter. Trust me, there's going to be an onslaught coming for you. And I can't wait to show you what the backpack can really do. Because I think you might have forgot my fights with... Rivera, control the stand-up. My fights with Pedro Munoz, control the stand-up. My fight with Taquino Mendez, world-class BJJ practitioner, couple-time ADCC champion in jiu-jitsu, control the stand-up and the grappling. Beat him in his own game. And I was only a brown belt at the time. Actually, I think I might have actually been a purple belt at the time. What I did to Hennon Burrell, after you beat him, of course, you, you did beat him twice, of course, um... I'm pretty sure you were on the same stuff that he was on <clears throat> at the time. And uh, you did beat him, but I like to think the way I beat him was a lot more convincingly and uh, more one-sided than your fight with him as well. And again, I know we can't do MMA math, and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I think if you look at the matchups, you look at TJ's stat sheet, you look at my stat sheet, and you look at the body of work, that I think you will be ill-advised to overlook my striking. And I hope that's what you do. Because if you do that, it is going to be a bad night for Mr. Dillaroids. And I can't wait to be the guy who hands it to you. Hand you your ass on a platter, give you a spank on the ass and tell you thanks for coming. You played well. So, it is what it is, man. I know what I'm getting myself into. I know he's a tough, unorthodox striker coming off of a long, tough surgery, seems like, for his knee. Uh, maybe he's still on the stuff. I'm going to assume he's still on the same stuff that he was on even prior to him getting popped by the New York State Athletic Commission. And that's just me to be smart on my end and to do everything I can possibly to get in the best physical shape that I could possibly be in to take this guy out. And... Uh, I'm going to be more than prepared, more than ready, you know, because 
while you're in the lab and concocting all types of experiments for your body, I'm actually in the lab and putting in some physical work. That's the difference. And I'd like to think this is kind of like Rocky IV. Maybe not Rocky IV. This is kind of like Ivan Drago versus Rocky. Let's just leave it at that. One guy's training out in the woods, in the wilderness, doing it the old school, hard way, blue collared way, hard work and work ethic, blood, sweat, and tears, while this other guy's hooked up to these lab machines and getting injected with all kinds of shit. So that's TJ. That's the guy that people want as their champion to set standards for the, the youth, for your kids. Not my champ. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you never become champion again. Promise you. So I'm excited for this one. And uh, he thinks I'm a dangerous fight in the sense, I'm a problematic fight in the sense of my style. But he thinks it's not a dangerous fight. That makes me feel good because it, it makes me feel like he's comfortable coming into this one. And I hope he is taking me lightly because the lighter he makes it, he takes me, the easier this fight is going to be for me. And uh, I'm going to be more than prepared for this. So I'm going to make sure I do my homework first up right now. We got another guy on the contender series. And then we got one more after that. And then we got Marab in the UFC. And then we got a couple of our guys in September for the Ring of Combat. And then we got also got my brother in Cage, uh, Cage Fury, August 26th, with a couple other guys. Him, Big Black, Eddie. Shout out, Eddie. Uh, his birthday was yesterday, actually. Shout out to my, my, my brethren, uh, fellow Leo. My birthday is actually Sunday, Leo gang. Um, and then I'll be up in Abu Dhabi. And I'm going to be making sure I get there at least two weeks early to acclimate, make sure my sleeping is right, make sure everything is on par and doing the things that I need to do so I could be more than prepared for this fight. Because I, this one is about bragging rights. It's not about being emotionally charged. It's about bragging rights because I feel like TJ is just an arrogant, cocky individual. And maybe his suspension might have humbled him a bit. But when he talks, there's just some type of smugness that just comes with his personality. And even meeting him in person, he just has this smug personality, smug aura. And it's not even that we're in the same weight class. I've hung out with, talked with people, multiple people in my weight class. I don't get that same energy and that same vibe the way I do with TJ. It's just a different type of person. You have to speak to him to understand what I'm talking about. And not the fake fan meetup where, oh, I'm getting paid to be nice to people. The everyday person that's just who they are outside of the money, you know? And uh, TJ, to me, is just not a good person. It is what it is. And anyone who cheats like that, I mean, you're already in a certain category because this is a tough sport as, as is. And for you to be going out there to do that, I mean, I think that says enough about you, you know? Um, so it is what it is. So this one is going to be uh, a fun fight for sure. And I'm excited that now that I got this Yawn chapter in the rear, that I can move forward and open up on the feet again like I've done in the past. And I will say, uh, the Sanhagen fight with TJ, that going to a split decision, me running through Sanhagen, and obviously, every fight could be different. I could have a war with San Hagen the next time I step in the octagon with him. But I'm always going to have that threat of just dominating the fight, win the first or second round with a takedown. That threat's always going to be legitimate and always will be there. And then you look at the fight with San Hagen and Jan. Competitive fight. Jan definitely won, was in the, the driver's seat the entire time. And then you look at TJ and you see what he looked like after that fight. And obviously, he was after a long layoff. But that gives me confidence to know that if Jan could barely touch me, Sanhagen was able to touch Jan, and Sanhagen was able to touch up TJ the way he touched him up, I like my chances. I think I'm going to be able to stick and move, piece this guy up, and then find the kill shot and put him away. Whether it's him, me taking him down, putting him on his ass, and then ground and pounding him into oblivion, it really doesn't matter. It just what I feel in the moment of the fight and that's going to dictate the pace of the fight and uh, what happens going forward. So 
I'm excited for that. Next up, we got Sean O'Malley, Mr. Sugar Tits himself. Um, it's hard to call him poodles because he cut his hair is no longer as long as it was before. Uh, and I like the kid. He's a, he's a good dude in the sense of like he's funny, he's witty, he's got some jokes. He seems to think he is the star of the card. And guess what? I really don't give a shit. If you are the star of the card, good for you. I'm still going to get paid what I'm getting paid. You're still going to get paid what you're getting paid. You're helping me. That helps the card. And everybody wins. So it's no hate to him. I just hope he can back up his talk and actually say who he say he is and do what he says he's going to do. Because that's a tough fight. Jan walks forward. He does a great job of covering up. Hard to really get through his guard to land clean, accurate strikes. Sean O'Malley fights well going backwards. Jan's a good kickboxer. I'm pretty sure he's going to walk him down, cover up, and then chop the legs down, and then chop at the body. I do feel like there's a, a lot of question marks on how, the toughness of a Sean O'Malley. It's one thing when you are the hammer. But, buddy, when you are the nail... And in that first Jan fight, like you said, he was beating me up pretty good. Yeah, 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 you can say that, whatever. After I was piecing him up, he started to piece me up. Um, I show that I can be the nail and still keep coming forward and take it. Pause. We haven't seen that with you yet. What happens when Jan punches you to the gut, hits you to the liver? Are you going to fold? Are you going to roll over and quit? When you hit him with one of those big shots that you've been hitting on all these other guys and he doesn't go away, what are you going to do? Are you going to wrestle Piotr? I mean, you do, you, like you said, you don't have anything to lose. It is it's essentially a win-win. I know you said you don't want to have that mentality and that attitude, that mindset going in. Smart. But at the end of the day, in the back of your mind, you know that that cushion is there. Oh, I lost to the number one guy. It's okay. Like I said, we'll see. We'll see who is who. I've always given nothing but praise to, to Piotr. I've given nothing but praise to Sean O'Malley. But I do know this is a tough matchup. And if you couldn't do what you were doing to everybody else, to Pedro, and you were having some trouble and a couple of fouls in that fight, you're getting your legs shipped away. You did start to land a bit more in the second round. Okay, people can say that. That is factual. You started to land a lot more with the hands. But Pedro wasn't going anywhere. He was still pressing and coming forward. As he pressed you forward, you started going backwards and you poked him in the eye. Say whatever you want as an excuse. Oh, I've seen other people do this. Not everyone gets poked the same way. Not everyone gets scratched in the corner when they get poked in the eye. So not all fouls are the same. Not all low blows are the same. When you get kicked in the nuts, it doesn't affect everyone the same because it's not always the same type of impact or the same type of angle where you got kicked. That's just a fact. So to try to paint everything with one paintbrush is silly, in my opinion, and very naive. And I think it's honestly your way of giving yourself some type of <sighs> win in your book to like put in a feather in your cap to make yourself feel better about the fight. You should have had a rematch with Pedro. You should have. But to your, to your accomplishments, to your uh, whatever you want to call it, respect to you for being able to parlay that into a bigger fight. Good for you. I do applaud you for that. And good uh, harmonica skills. That was actually cute. Cute. Coming out with the harmonica, the security guy in the back. Cute stuff. Um, love the gimmicks. Um, gives people things to talk about. Um, but at the end of the day, it's one thing where you could be a showman against guys that are tailor-made for you to be a showman with. But when it comes, when you get a little bit of resistance, who are you then? So Sean O'Malley, show us who you are when you step in the octagon on the night with a whole bunch of European fans that are going to be coming to watch Islam Makachev, Charles Oliveira, Piotr, and anybody else who's from that part of the country. Because you are a great entertainer. But again, show us who you really are. Because I, I know for a fact Jan is going to test you and it's going to be a good fight in that regards. And good fight meaning like, oh, it was a good fight as in for him. Will it be a good fight for you? 
We don't know yet. And I can't wait to have that question answered because I know about myself. We know about Jan, even though he fought for a world title after beating Uriah Faber, a guy who just came out of retirement at 42 years old. We all knew he was tough. We knew he fought guys in the top five. You haven't yet. So it's cool to see you chirping and doing all this chihuahua stuff, but until you get in the big boy kennel, that's all it is. It's talk from behind the safety of being behind the bars, being behind the cage, knowing that you can't be touched. But now that leash has came off, that kennel door has been opened, and now you get to play with the big boys. And I'm not hating on, on Sean O'Malley whatsoever. Like I said, so much praise I've given this guy. I think he's a real talent when it comes to striking. But again, he's only been doing that to guys who are the nails. Let's see when he gets another hammer standing in front of him, what's he going to do? That's what the fight game is all about. How hard can you get hit and keep on going? And that's a cheesy Rocky quote, but it's the truth. It's the fact of life. As cliche as that may sound to anybody out there, it is a fact of life. What's going to keep you going? So I'm excited for you. It's a great opportunity to do a couple of things. Make your name for yourself. Build your case. But what will you do when that cage door closes with a guy like Piotrion marching you down and looking to take your head off. It's going to be a good fight. I'm super excited for you. Best of luck, or as they say, best of skill. And again, no hate. It's going to be a fun, interesting fight week with all of us there. And um, I'm excited for the Bantamweight division. So again, kudos to you. I, I love what you're doing, parlaying everything. I saw that you now are managementless. Congrats to you for being your guy and being able to talk for yourself and feel comfortable and strong enough to do that. Very brave and bold. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I'm not coming for that ass right now. Piotr Jan's coming for that ass. So like you said, you're going to be focused, and I hope you are taking this training camp very, very seriously because Jan is a tough competitor. If you shut his lights out, dude, I have nothing else I can say. I do think it's a tailor-made matchup in the sense of your range and everything. But again, we don't know how tough you are. So you might have success early on because Jan gets hit pretty early. But then he comes back and he finds that big shot and he puts guys down. Will you be another one on that list? Only time can tell. And with that being said, we are going to get into our DraftKings sponsors. And... Thank you, DraftKings. So, MMA fans, as the fighters face off during UFC 277, you can take your own big win with Dallas Sportsbook. Dallas. It is in Dallas. With DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. This Saturday, new customers can bet $5 on any UFC fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, people. Want even more action? You can also double your winnings on a same-game parlay. Combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, how long the fight will last, and more. Just place your UFC 277 same game parlay, and if it hits, you'll win double. Please talk of Matt. Uh, interesting. Yeah, definitely will. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. That's a biggie because a lot of sports betting apps, you can't do that. Call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FUNKMASTER. Bet $5 on any UFC 277 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's Cold Funkmaster this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, and of course, we've got the disclaimer you must be, you must include below in the show notes, which I will if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling, and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. And Illinois, Pennsylvania, and a whole bunch of stuff. I'll put these in the show notes. 21 and older, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, and a lot of that other fun stuff. So thank you, DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, let's get into the first fight. The first fight. We got Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunez. And DraftKings Sportsbook has this at plus 230 for the champion in Pena. Plus 230, and Amanda Nunez is a minus 275 favorite. Now, this is 
a intriguing matchup to me because of the way the first fight went down. Amanda Nunez has been pretty much bulldozing everyone in her competition, um, finishing fights left and right, or just dominating. She is 34 years old. Her last one, she lost in the second round, ran a choke to Juliana Pena after getting kind of pounced on a bit. And then you have her beating Megan Anderson in round one, inverted triangle armbar, Felicia Spencer, unanimous decision. That's actually when I fought Corey Sanhagen. Jermaine Durandame, that was actually a decision. She beat Holly Holm, head kick, and then punches in round one. Chris Cyborg in round one. Raquel Pennington, round five, ground and pound finish. Valentin Shevchenko, split decision win. Ronda Rousey to win the belt. No, that wasn't to win the belt. That was to defend the belt for her first defense against Rousey in round one, 48 seconds in round one. And then before that, she took the belt from Misha Tate. And before that, she beat Shevchenko, unanimous decision. So she's somewhat of a bulldozer, man. She's just been running through competition and pretty much very, very one-sided winnings, you know? And then you got Pena, who's 32 years old. She's 5'6", two-fight winning streak. She beat Sarah McMahon before she beat Amanda Nunez. She beat Sarah McMahon by rear naked choke in the third round. And before that, she lost to Deronda May by Keating choke in the third. And before that, she beat Nico Montagna, decision. And before that, she lost to Shevchenko by armbar. But there's a big gap in, like, activity from, let's see, 2016 and 2017 to 2019 when she lost to Shevchenko. She came back after almost, like, a two-year layoff and beat Nico Montagna. But it's just fascinating how, like, thin that division is that after two wins, she was able to propel herself right back to a title shot. And it wasn't even two wins. She beat Nico, lost to Durandame, beat Sarah McMahon, and then got an opportunity to fight Amanda Nunes. Now, that's interesting because I did wonder, like, if she lost to Sarah McMahon, will Sarah McMahon have gotten that title shot? I don't know. Very interesting situation to be in. Um, I think Pena's got this awkward style of striking where it's just, like, more brawler-esque. She comes in, she throws these punches, Boom, she puts her body weight behind it, but it's not a traditional, like, snapping out, like a a traditional boxer, so to speak. It's just more like, I'm just trying to get in your face and make this nasty and ugly and gritty and get the win by dragging your ass to the mat and pounding you out. And that's what she did. She pounded her down in that first one with uh, Amanda Nunes, and then she got the finish shortly after that. Now, I will say Amanda hit her with one shot that almost instantly blew up Pena's eye. One big shot. And it makes me wonder how hard Nunez hits. That's one. And if Nunez could find a couple of shots like that, will this fight be very, very different? Now, I don't know of a lot of champions that have won the belt back in immediate rematches. You don't see that too often. Um, Usually, the champions in history, when they lose the belt and they have an immediate rematch, they typically lose. And I think that's what makes this interesting. Shout out G Fuel. Um, Use my promo code, Funkmaster. Um, So, actually, my promo code is Aljo. Wow. So, G Fuel, my promo code is Aljo. So, check that out. Yeah, so, it just makes things interesting because of the stylistic matchup. You know, one is more of a cleaner striker and hits really hard in Amanda Nunes. And then you got one who's more of a brawler. Willing to get in your face, make it nasty, and willing to go to the depths of hell to try to get a win and just make it a dogfight. She likes the ugly fights, and that's her style. The Venezuelan vixen. And I don't know, man. This one's tough for me to call. But based on history with champions not winning immediate rematches, like right away, it makes me wonder, will that same fate happen here? And I do think... Pena's style, as long as she doesn't get clipped early, if she can force the clinch and get Amanda Nunes tired right away, right like right out of the gate, not waste any time like playing this stand-up thing, oh, I'm going to show you that I can strike with you. Like, Don't be afraid of it, but know that the game plan is to push her against the cage, get her arms heavy, make her wrestle a little bit, and then when you break away, you can start to strike and then get her arms a little bit heavy so you can have more success with your striking. Because I do think if they just stand up and circle... Nunez is going to be able to see her strikes come in and she's going to be able to pick her apart. 
the longer it stays on the feet. But the more she mixes it up, kind of that up-down level change, add in some feints, and, you know, she's got that stance, and then boom, whatever. You know, I, I think I think Pena can get it done again. For me, this is a tough one to call. I am leaning on the side of Pena if she can implement her game plan like that. But if she leaves it to more of a stand-up fight and, and has a hard time or gets clipped early in the eye like she did last time, and that eye starts to shut early before she can implement her game plan and, and impose her will on Nunes... I see that fight going towards Amanda Nunes. So th that's that's the facts in terms of skill set for me. And I think on the ground, Pena is better. I think she the longer the fight goes, it favors Pena. Amanda Nunes, I don't know what the case was. I, I don't listen to all the interviews and everything. So maybe there was some type of reasoning. Maybe she had some stuff coming up in her personal life that got in the way of training. Maybe her cardio wasn't as great as it could have been. But I do think she has kind of slowed down in the past. And if she slows down like that again, like I said, I think the cardio department favors Juliana Pena. So Amanda needs to make sure she is ready because this is going to be another tough fight. And I think Pena will be more than happy to make it a dog fight because I think she has the confidence to know that she can win if it goes into the crazy scrambles and the clinching. I think that's what she wants and she wants to impose her will. And... Uh, I think she can get a finish again if she can do all those things. But I don't I just don't see this going to a decision. I think if it if Amanda finds her groove early, I, I think she can get Pena out of there as well. And I think just based on that one shot that she landed, that was again, it was a huge punch. And then it's not like like Pena was like rocked and all over the place. But I think when you start to get your eye and your vision affected like that, it it, it really changes the fight. Only having one eyeball. And having that blurred vision. If you ever just push your eyeball up like this and you see like a little distorted, it's super freaky. But imagine doing that in a fist fight with a professional athlete that's been training to kill you and take you out for the past 8 to 12 weeks. You know? So that's what that fight is. So I'm super excited for this one. I think it's going to be a fun fight. I can't call who's going to win. I just give you guys the information. You take that information. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook. Use my promo code and do what you do with that information. And hopefully you are a big wiener. So, next up, we have Brandon Romano versus Kai Cotta France. And DraftKings Sportsbook has Moreno at a minus 210. Kai Cotta France is a plus 180 underdog. Now, this is a good fight. I think stylistically, both guys have come into their own, coming from the ultimate fighter. They've both grown leaps and bounds. Both have managed to have their ups and downs in the career. But both eventually... Getting back to that pinnacle of where they both want to be, now fighting for UFC gold for the interim title. Winner of this fight will fight Davison Figueroa. Hopefully, you know, he gets his shit together with the UFC and we can see the unification with that. Um, with that being said, <sighs> that last fight with Moreno was really, really close with him and Figueroa. And then Kai Cata France, the way he looked in his last one, Kakata France is 24 and 9 with his record. He's 5'4. He's 29 years old with a reach of 66 and a half inches. He won his last three in a row. He beat Askar Askarov. Really tough fight. Gutted that out against a really good grappler who's known to press you against the cage, take you down, a lot of pressure on top, submit you, rear naked choke, or just smother you. He knocked out Cody Garbrandt before that. And then he also knocked out Rogerio Bontarin. And before that, he lost to Brandon Royval, guillotine choke in round two, which was a nasty choke by Royval. So, yeah, he came into the zone. And a lot of evolution since his time on the Ultimate Fighter, which was back in 2016. 2016, yep, 2016. He won against Terrence Michelle. Then he lost to Alexander Portosia. Unanimous decision. Then he fought at Ryzen. He lost... Came to Hex Fight Series. He won, like, and then WLF. He won, like, f one, two, three, four, five. Five fights in a row. Got the call back to the UFC. And beat Elias Garcia by unanimous decision. He beat Paiva by split. He beat uh, De La Rosa by decision. Lost to Moreno. Beat Tyson Nam by decision. Lost to Roy Val. Beat Bonterin in the three-fight win streak. Garbrandt and Askarov. So he's got a good resume actively getting better and progressing like stylistically overcome a tough style against Askarov 
But I will say the difference is I think Moreno has the skill set and abilities to mix in the wrestling with the striking really, really well. I think he didn't do that as much in the last fight with Figueredo. And I think if he did go back to those body locks and those takedowns, timing, uh, I think things could have been a little bit different. Because let's be honest, when he beat Figueredo the first time he beat him, because it was, it was a draw, then he beat him, and then he lost. So now, the time he beat him, he finished him, ran naked choke, got on his back, and I think it was from a body lock, if I'm not mistaken. Got a body lock, managed to throw him by, get on the body lock, take him down, hooks in, and then finish him. Gets up and just in, like, just in awe of his performance of what just happened. Such, such a surreal moment, him taking that all in and uh, becoming UFC champion. So for him to do that, now he has an opportunity to reclaim the belt and then try to get another one and run it back with Figueroa again. Big opportunity for both these guys. If Kai Katafranz can win... He will join the likes of Volkanovski, um, Israel Adesanya, and that will be just a killer's row of champions all hailing from that New Zealand area slash Australia. So either way, this is going to be a very exciting fight. I can't really call it. I think stylistically, Kai Katafranz might hit harder. I think he's got more pop, more shorter, condensed. He seems to explode into his shots. He may hit Garbrandt with some shit. And then um, Moreno, he can crack too. I love when he goes to that liver kick. Um, not that liver kick, the liver punch when he goes to the body because, you know, he's got that stance up here and he's like, oh, 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 oh. And then he'll shovel that hook underneath to the body and then he'll throw those calf kicks. But then when he does that, if he can get you with that jab, stay nice and long, boom, pick his shots, a um, couple shots, maybe roll into his underhook, tie him up. I think he takes him down. I think he can make this a blend of a fight, like knowing when to get the takedown, when to exert energy, and knowing when to keep it a stand-up fight, controlling the pace of the stand-up, and trying to win those exchanges. Just can't get clipped like he did towards the end of the round, like with Figueredo, and giving Figueredo an opportunity to almost finish the fight, you know. Um, so it's an interesting matchup. Again, I think Kai's got some good skills. I think he's very basic, though. He's not going to do anything overly fancy. Neither is Moreno, very basic boxing which is what wins, fundamentally sound for both these guys. But I think Kai Katafranz loads up a little bit more, and I think that could be the difference uh, for him because if he connects with those four-ounce gloves, that could be a good night. Kai's got some power. One more time, just to give you guys the betting lines on this one, Moreno is a minus 210, and Kai Katafranz is a plus 180. Now, next up, we have Derek Lewis taking on Sergey. Pavlovich. I don't even know if I said his name right. Um, Pavlovich is 15-1. and one. Where has this guy been fighting before that? I don't know. I don't know. He's 30 years old. He's 6'3", 84-inch reach. He won his... Oh, he's... Wow. Okay, so he made his UC debut, right? He lost to Alistair Overeem. Round one, ground and pound. Then he beat Marcelo Gaum, Maurice Green, and Shamil Alphabet, Abdurrahimov. And he finished all three of those guys. Round one, round one, round one. Ooh, so that's pretty impressive. So he seems like more of a striking kind of guy, the type of fight that Derek Lewis likes to be in, as opposed to having to deal with the grapplers. Derek Lewis, I still think, has the most knockouts in, I think, UFC history or heavyweight history, one of the two, or probably both. He's 37 years old. He's 6 and 3. Six and three. He's six three in height, and his reach is eighty is seventy nine. Usually, like give or take, this might be eighty, but it's seventy nine as listed here on Typology. And his last one was Ty Tuivasa, where he hurt Ty, but Ty came back and cracked him, framed him up against the cage, and hit him with an elbow that he also had a finish that was very very similar to that as well. Before that, he knocked out Chris Dawkins in round one, and before that, he lost to Cyril Gunn for the interim title. In round three. And before that, he knocked out Curtis Blades in round two. And he blamed Herb Dean for that one. And said it was Herb Dean's fault. <laughs> yeah. Derek Lewis is a funny-ass dude, bro. I, I love watching that guy fight. Hilarious dude. Really nice in person. And um, I hope the best for him in this one, you know? This is going to be a tough one. I think he's getting up there with age when he's fighting these faster guys. But I think Cyril Gannon was more of a nimble fighter, more agile than himself. So I think this one might be more on the side that he'll be better 
suited to compete with stylistically and, and get a knockout. Um, when he fought, Volkov got the knockout at the end against a guy who's like 6'7". And then uh, Ty Tuivasa, very competitive fight, hurt Ty. Ty managed to survive that storm, and then he came back and put him out. So it's just one of those things. Sometimes you play in the fire, you get burned a little bit. And I think that's all that was that happened with that one. Now for this, Derek Lewis is a plus 120, and Sergey is a minus 140. So... To me, that's kind of like a pick'em. I don't really know how the odds really work, like what makes it exactly a pick'em. Um, but I, I would imagine that Sergey's more of the favorite here, just because he's a minus one forty versus a plus one twenty. So I guess you can get a little bit more value on betting on Derek Lewis. And guys, I don't try to. I don't get overly in depth with the betting. I don't bet. Um, I used to gamble a lot in college, and I had to stop because I was betting a lot of my student loan money. And I didn't have much money for food outside of that and for books. And then I realized this is not very smart. And then when I started fighting, I realized this is really not smart because now I'm actually gambling with the little bit of money that I'm making on the regional circuit, which was like $500, $1,000 here, $600 here. So it was like betting that money was just like naive and silly to do a whole training camp, just go bet that money and then burn it and lose it. Um, Not the smartest, you know, so. So that's the way I think this one will unfold. I don't know much about Sergey, but if I'm a better man, man, I, I, I like Lewis. I think he's looking to get a good rebound. And I think this might be a, a willing dance partner. I don't know how nimble Sergey is on the feet. It just seems like he's more of a striker. If he's fast and quick twitch, might be some problems for Derek Lewis. But Derek Lewis is a tough dude. I mean, he was in there with Volkov for quite some time. And at the very, like literally the 11th hour, called him and put him to sleep. So you can never count this guy out. And uh, I think that's what makes this a really fun fight. <clears throat> Next up, we have Alexander Printoja taking on Alex Perez. Now, Alex Perez is a plus 155 underdog. And Pantoja is a minus 180 favorite. Now, I feel like these guys have been matched up a couple times before. I could be mistaken. Let's find out. I'm going to take a look on the sheet. Now, Pantoja is 24 and 5. Now, even as I'm saying this, let me go back real quick. The fact that Brandon Moreno and Kai Cotafranco are fighting for the belt, and their record is, Moreno is 19-6 and 2, and Kai Cotafranco is 24 and 9. So, respectively, you're normally used to seeing the guys who end up fighting for the belt or that are champions usually have like one to three losses, usually at the most. And I think we're starting to see a trend here that the guys at the top are now taking more losses and they're showing resilience and battling their way back and still having the opportunity to fight for a world championship and win the belt and take it home. That's what I want to say about that piece. Now we got Pantoja who's 24 and 5, Alex Perez who's 24 and 6. Now let's take a look at their resume. Pantoja is 32 years old, he's 5'5 with a reach of 68 inches. He's on a two-fight win streak against Brandon Royval, Ray Nekachok in the second round, and Manel Kopp. Before that, he lost to Oskarov, which no shame in losing to Oskarov. Oskar is really, really tough. It's a tough style of fight. Now Perez, he's 30 years old. He's 5'6", with a 65-and-a-half-inch reach. And, okay, so now I see that he was supposed to fight Schnell one, two, three, four different times, and it got canceled all four times. <laughs> This is Perez and Matt Schnell. So it wasn't Pantoja. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking. Cancel with Pettis. Cancel with Kai Cotter France. Cancel with Chad George. So yeah, just, just that guy. Mostly Matt Schnell. Okay. So he's coming off of a loss. Guillotine show. Oh, he hasn't fought since 2020 of November when he lost to Figueredo. So what's that layoff going to look like for him? I mean, obviously having guys like Ricky Simone in his room to train with, that's only going to help him. You have guys like that to look up to. Um, he's got training partners like Louis Smoka. He's got um, uh, Sidikov, who just had a big win over Lawrence, Ronnie Lawrence. So he made that one crucial mistake shooting into that guillotine of Figueredo. Figueredo jumped on it and snatched his neck up so fast and put him and had him tapping really, really quick, less than two minutes into the first round. How much work has he done since then? Pantoja has been active. 
has got some notable wins. And that kind of concerns me because I do think ring rust is a little bit of a thing for the most part. I think it just kind of helps with the timing and the groove of having the octagon feet beneath your feet. The octagon feet beneath your feet. Having the octagon floor beneath your feet and kind of getting loose and getting that feel and just knowing what that that moment is going to feel like, that comfortability. So I'm excited to see what he can do now coming off of such a long layoff. Will he be the same guy that he was on his way up to winning the belt, to, to fighting for the belt? We'll see. Um, I'm not really sure how to call this one. Petoja is really good when he gets people down and get, get on their back. Um, he's tough when it comes to striking. He's willing to sit in the pocket with you and trade a bit. Doesn't seem like the cleanest striker, but he's willing to throw some heat. And I think Perez has got to be on his P's and Q's, and I think Perez being a strong wrestler, compact, I think he could catch Pintoja with something big and then take his ass down. But on this takedown, he cannot make the same mistake twice in a row and get caught in a guillotine against a submission specialist like Pantoja. Cannot get lazy in any of those grappling sequences because that's when bad things happen. So I like Perez. I've trained with him before. I like Pantoja watching him on the show. Um, never met the guy personally. Uh, I do think this is a good stylistic matchup for a strong wrestler who could neutralize the BJJ, who has a strong guillotine himself and some decent submission attempts. But he has to be smart, can't leave his neck out there, has to land a big shot to hurt Pantoja on the feet, and can't be gun-shy on the feet as well. I don't know if he fights well going backwards, so I think that lateral footwork and then being able to press and knowing when to sprint forward and, and attack Pantoja is going to be huge key to success for a guy like Alex Perez. And again, DraftKings has the line at minus 180 versus a plus... 155 for Perez. So Pantoja is a minus 180. <clears throat> One, two, three, four. Now, this one with uh, Magomed Ankalaev versus Anthony Smith, I really don't know how to call this. I I'm not sure what side of the fence I sit on with this one. Ankalaev is a minus 520 favorite. Anthony Smith is four, plus 410. I do think Smith should be a live dog here, though. Like, Ankalaev is really, really good. He's like a safe fighter. He stays in the right positions, doesn't get, like, doesn't get himself out of position, does what he needs to do to win, um, not going to like overextend himself and take unnecessary risk. He's there to win and collect two, two paychecks. And a guy like that is tough to beat because you got to make him uncomfortable. You got to break his rhythm. And how are you going to do that? The last time he lost was against Paul Craig, and that was a submission triangle choke Literally at 4 minutes and 59 seconds of round number 3, meaning that fight was one second away from being over, and he got tapped. And after that, he went on a bit of a tear. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Eight fight, win streak. And I, excuse me, and I think a win over Anthony Smith puts him next in line for a title shot. It has to. There's nobody else. I don't see anybody else. I mean, you can argue Blahovich. Yeah. Yeah. But a guy on an eight-fight win streak who hasn't been in there yet for the title, yeah, that's a tough one to kind of ignore. And you know the UFC will be looking to push another European fighter from the Caucasus region. I do believe he's Dagestani. <clears throat> it says Russia. But it says, uh, no, actually, he's Russian. Mahak, Mahakala. I'm not even going to. Guys, don't butcher me. I'm not even going to do this to myself because I'm going to get butchered. Actually, I'm going to do it. Mahakala, Mahak, Mahakala, Russia, something like that. <laughs> don't, don't get me, guys. Um, he beat Dolce, Lugimbala. He beat Kalitsa Abru. He beat Marcin Parchinio, um, Iwan Kutalaba, and Iwan Kutalaba again. He beat Krylov, who just crushed um, Gustafsson. Man, that was nasty. Um, beat Vulcan Ozdemir decision, but Krylov was a decision as well. Diago Santos was a decision as well. So again, safe fighter. He's strong with the wrestling, strong with the striking, clean, technical, does, the, does as much as he needs to do to win. And then you got a guy like Anthony Smith who's more well-rounded. I, I, I can't even say that. 
he's been around the block. I think that's a better way to put it. I don't I don't want to say more well-rounded because if I think there's a guy who's more well-rounded in this matchup, it's got to be Ankalaev, right? He can wrestle, he can strike, um, jiu-jitsu skills. I don't know how good he really is like with jiu-jitsu moves. I'm sure he's got a solid head and arm choke, maybe some decent like shrimping back to guard type of thing. I don't know if he's doing like knee cut passes and umpas and that type of stuff. Um, more of a grappler, wrestling-based type of jiu-jitsu, if that makes sense. But you got a guy like Anthony Smith, 6'4", 34 years old, who's been in there in the trenches with just about everybody. He's fought John Jones. He's fought Glover Teixeira, fought Alexander uh, Rakic. Um, he fought Gustafsson, beat Gustafsson um, after losing to John Jones. Uh, finished Volkan Ozdemir. Finished Mauricio Shogun, who were Rashad Evans. Uh, he lost to Thiago Santos. Body kick into punches. He beat Hector Lombard. He beat Devin Clark, Jimmy Crew, and Ryan Spann. Three fights back-to-back. And I know that Ryan Spann got a little chippy because, you know, I think Spann was chirping a little bit. And they had a little bad blood going into that one. But um, that's what happens, man, when two guys are just that competitive and want to win that badly. It's just the name of the game. So I don't know which side of the fence I sit on with this one. I really think this is almost uh, as pick em as it gets. Um, hmm. I don't know. What I don't know what you people think. What do you, who do you think is going to win this one? This is a tough one. If Anthony Smith can't stop the wrestling of Ankalaev, it's going to be a long night for him. That's as politically PC as I could possibly put it. He needs to be able to stop the takedowns of Ankalaev. If he can do that, I think he can win. Because I think he's just had a little bit more experience than Ankalaev in terms of like the upper echelon of competition. But easier said than done when you got a guy who's super hyped up right now, who's on fire, very confident. Can he do what he's done to everybody else? I mean, his biggest win is Thiago Santos invoking Ozdemir. And then you got Anthony Smith, who's fought higher caliber names. But that doesn't really matter. I mean, I mean, we're talking about Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira. You know, so it's like, Oh, look what he's doing to all these guys. But he hasn't fought anyone in the top five. I know, but look what he's doing to all these guys. I know, but he, he just hasn't fought anyone in, in the top five. Yeah, I know, but also just look what he's doing to all these guys. That's pretty much what it's like, right? So, yeah, I, I don't know which side of the fence I sit on with this one. I think Smith has got the creative striking. As long as he doesn't shoot his low like he did against Gover Teixeira, like he was playing a video game, just throwing out all these crazy combinations and piecing up Teixeira until he kind of just gassed out and got tired. Um... <clears throat> I think he could have some success. Maybe go to that low calf kick. Uncle Live is a big, strong man. He looks good whenever I do see him in the gym. I try not to watch people like training all the time because just, I just don't want people to think I'm watching them because then if I know somebody else, it gets a little weird. Um, yeah, but it should be a fun fight. Winner of this, I think, is back into that title shot conversation, and I think you can make the argument for Anthony Smith to beat a guy like this. And I think you can make this the uh, argument for Ankalaev to be the next guy if he could get past Smith and look good doing it. Not just eking out a decision. He's got to look good doing it. I think we've seen, even like with the Contender Series last night, that um, that's what Dana wants. He wants these fights that are very, very interesting. Um, or action-packed to push you to get a title shot. Now, my fight that I'm looking forward to the most this is going to be like my DraftKings special pick of the pay-per-view event at UFC 277. I think this fight with Jakar Klaus versus Rafa Garcia is going to be a barn burner. I think this will be a fun fight to watch. And now let's look at this. Jakar Klaus is a minus 205 favorite and Rafa is a plus 175 underdog. Now... Looking at this one, I think Rafa, he's 20 and 10. Look at the record. This is what I'm talking about, guys. Guys are fighting. Guys are taking their losses, coming back and rebuilding themselves. He beat Mark Diakese, Guillotine Choke round one. He lost, and this is Rafa we're talking about. He lost to Demir Ismagulov. <laughs> and before that, he beat some other good guys, getting some good finishes in Titan FC. Um, who else did he fight that I know? I feel like there was somebody else, or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, maybe I'm confusing him with Rafael Alves. Nope, I am completely blowing this. Rafa Garcia is who he's fighting, not... Oh, wow, I'm sorry, guys, I botched that one. 
Okay, Rafa Garcia is 27 years old, 5'7". He beat Jesse Ronson and Natan Levy. This is who I thought. Okay, this is the one I thought it was. Okay, and then before that, he lost two fights in his UFC debut, and he came back and won two fights after that. So he lost to Nasraf, he lost to Guchemacher, and then he came back and beat Natan Levy and Jesse Ronson. And he finished Jesse Ronson. Now, when he beat Natan, I kind of I gave him some good rating because I think Natan is really freaking good. Um, he's got these crazy kicks that come out of nowhere. Um, really good dexterity. He's strong. And he's got good fundamental grappling, which I think makes him really tough to deal with. The fact that he was able to beat Natan, I thought that was highly impressive. And then the Jakar, who had a crazy fight with Benil Dariush, stunned him. He's 12-2-1. And, and then came back and lost. Well, he didn't come back. He ended up losing. Comes back and beats Brandon Jacobs, Jenkins, and gets a finish in round two. <clears throat> I, I think it just shows who he is as a fighter, as an individual. We know that whole thing that happened with him and Jeremy Stevens. Um, unfortunate incident, so we never got to see that fight. He had some neck issues. Unfortunate situation to have to deal with. Um, but before he lost to Benil, he was on a three-fight win streak over Christos Giagos, Bobby Green, Linda Venata. Bobby Green had a great fight with Rafael Fazib. So Jakar Close, he's like, he's in the mix. So I think this is going to be a fun fight because of that. Because he's he's had some highlight moments. He's fun to watch. He kind of goes for it, I think. And he's not afraid to kind of mix it up with these guys. And I think that's what makes this a fun fight for me. Hoffa Garcia beating a guy like Natan Levy, not easy to do. And for him to come off the contender series and then doing that, uh, I think this is a promising matchup. And I think the fans are going to be in for a treat with this one. And this is going to be my sleeper fight um, to watch out for. Now I make sure I correct myself. He wasn't on the he wasn't on the contender series. It was Combate, Combate, yes, Combate. Okay, just want to make sure I was not misspeaking. And he beat Humberto Bandane, and then he got signed. Okay. And uh, that's pretty much it, guys. So, again, I just want to give a shout-out to DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, thank you guys for sponsoring this episode. And don't forget, my promo code is FUNKMASTER for new customers. Bet $5. And the opportunities are endless. Not quite exactly, of course. But you bet $5 on any fighter to win, and you win $100 in free bets. So, thank you, guys. As always, if you like my shit, subscribe to my shit. Or spinning back fish, baby. Boom, boom, boom. See you guys later. And MRA Guru, you can get this work wherever you're at. And if you really want to test yourself against the Funk Nation, against the Guru Nation, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. I heard that paralysis thing was a farce. You've been faking this whole time. You've been having guys believing that you couldn't stand up. Well, I heard you did. So if you want the smoke, come get the smoke. I'll be waiting whenever you want this shit. Funk out. Peace.